Welcome to Casas, and thanks for being here this morning. If you're visiting us for the first time today, we're so glad that you're here. We ask that you text the word guest to the number below because we'd love the opportunity to connect with you. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to stop by our Welcome Center, or you can join us right here in the auditorium following either service at our welcome party in the East Alcove. You would have also received a welcome card. We ask that you fill that out and either hand it in with a volunteer from guest services, or you can drop it in the giving boxes in the back of the room. We'd like to know that you are here and it's a way for us to follow up with you and find out about your experience. Casas Outreach recently partnered with ICS for their annual Gifts of Love program. This is just a reminder that if you participated in sponsoring a local family, gift drop-off is today from 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. in the Ironwood Building. We also want you to know that Christmas at Casas is December 24th at 1, 3, or 5 p.m. So mark your calendars now and we can't wait to see you that evening. Your presence at Christmas helps create the welcoming environment we would want everyone to experience. If you're available to attend a service and volunteer for another, please visit the main page of our website under current events to see all of our volunteer opportunities. There is a place for everyone at Christmas to either attend or volunteer, so please be sure to sign up soon. We're so glad you're here today. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we hope you have a wonderful day with us. Well, good morning. It is so, man, what an enthusiastic group. It's so good to have you, man. Um, well, it is uh, Christmas time uh, coming real soon here. And uh, it is so good to have uh, all of you here, especially if you're a guest, if you're visiting. Hope you feel uh, very welcome because it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, why don't we start off and just uh, take a moment and uh, just uh, greet the people around you. Ask, ask them if they've started their Christmas shopping. <laughs> We're finished. Yes. <laughs> Okay, what a friendly, friendly group of people. Y'all are terrific. Um, well, as uh, we start off December here, uh, things with gifts of love uh, have been going really well. And uh, Becky, why don't you just update us where, where it sits right now? All right, well, I am so excited to report that we were able to sponsor all of our families, 120 kids oh. plus. We're blessed this year, awesome. yes. And today, yes, we are collecting over in Ironwood where people can drop off. And you know what else is included with all the gifts that get dropped off today? Each of those families will get at least a $50 grocery gift card and Ooh. or more depending awesome. on the family. Yes. So I just wanted to come and say thank you so much for your generous giving and participating in this. This is really so impactful for our partners and for the families that they serve that we get to join them in this special effort. That's yeah. awesome. This has been such a great program over the last, I don't know how many years we've been doing this, right? With it's ICS. been a while. It's been, it's been a while, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've been in the middle of that, I think, from the very beginning, as well as all sorts of other outreach things that we've done over the years and trips around the world, uh, global outreach trips and things like that that you've been a part of. 
And um, we wanted to take a little bit of time this morning with kind of a bittersweet announcement that um, Becky, our outreach pastor, is um, beginning the transition into retirement. And so over the next couple of months, she's going to be kind of phasing out of that role as our outreach pastor. And we just wanted to take a moment and recognize you and and honor you and thank you for all of the years and all of the impact you've made on all of our lives and and with the church. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You have done uh, just so much around here. And I think about those 14 years. What uh, what stands out for you? Anything in particular? Oh, my gosh. So many things. I mean, I look around the room, and there's so many people in here that I've gotten to partner with in so many ways. Uh, you know, just it's been really such a blessing on my life of uh, being able to represent and be a part of this and to... Um, and to see where outreach is, which you, where you look at globally, locally, um, you know, I think um, I talk about, I've said, shared this a few times, you know, when COVID hit and it seemed like, oh, things are not good. And obviously there were really challenges in that. Do you know that in globally, it skyrocketed in the number of people that came to Christ during that period. I mean, astronomical, the online digital just went crazy and continues today in that. And then I think locally, all the drives that we had here together, how we got to participate in that and all the beautiful moments, um, seeing ministries jump into different things and partner and all of you. I mean, it's just been just a great partnership and I just want to thank you all for letting me be a part of that with all of you. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, you said something in the last service that I don't want to miss here. During COVID, when the work that we were doing globally, uh, because of all of the changes that, that you helped us navigate, we actually, is this true? We led more people to Christ in that time period than we did. Last 50 years. In the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, yeah, God was on the move and no COVID was stopping him. And it was just, <laughs> it was, you think the job would get, it was like, oh my gosh, what could we, yeah. And to be well, a part we'll of hat. it. COVID didn't stop Becky. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. us, you know, yeah. the whole thing. And you know, it was a beautiful moment too in that whole thing was just seeing uh, the church come together and join into the efforts to make a difference in the lives of the hospitals. Um, the food drives, all the different ways that we got to participate in that. You know, and there was um, another story you shared about our middle school Mm -hmm. girls working with some of the refugee girls. Tell us about that. Yeah, this was really neat. And some of you um, know or may not know, but we have quite a good, we have a very good relationship with the Muslim uh, leaders of this community. Um, part of, a lot of, lot to do with Tucson Refugee and our partnership with them, but there is a trust. And so one Sunday, our middle school girls and uh, a large group of Muslim girls came here on sh- while we were having church in here. They were over in the Ironwood building tying quilts for the Afghan refugees together. And it was a beautiful moment. And you know, they didn't want to leave. And you know what else I learned in that? Kids eat a lot. 
And I was used to planning like adult things. So I'm like, pizza, yeah, we've got enough. That Domino's driver kept coming round and round and round because we were having such a great time. But the beautiful story in all of that really was just that partnership that we have and that trust that's been built and that those uh, kids got to join in the special outreach together with another culture and another faith. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's really just an honor and just want to thank you for yeah. joining in. Well, um, uh, just your leadership and presence is going to be missed. And I, and just if one more time, if we could just say thank, thank you, you for all thank you. you've done. Thank you. um, she, she has helped us as a community love with the love of Jesus Christ on, with, to so many people globally and here locally. And so thank you for your help in you. just mobilizing us in so many ways to do what our heart longs to do as followers of Christ. So thank you very much. And thank you all. Yeah. It's been an honor to serve with all of you. Yes. And I can't wait to see what God has going forward. He's got amazing things planned. I know it. This is my place. This is my home. Love all of you guys. Thank yes. you. So we want to take a moment and yeah. pray for you. Pray for you and, and for Charlie, your husband, who's been a big part of our ministry as well. And uh, just so you know, Becky's going to be over at the welcome party after the service, so be sure and go over there and say hello and, and give her a hug. She's Aww, a good hugger. Thanks, Miles. And, um, so, but let's uh, pray for you now, if you'll join me. God, I just I thank you so much for Becky and Charlie, um, for their ministry here, for how you've gifted them, how you have loved them and worked through them to touch so many people around the world. And uh, we just ask for your continued blessing on their lives as they step into the next chapter um, and knowing that you're already there and that you're gonna walk with them into that. And whatever is in store, it's gonna be beautiful and it's gonna be something that's going to minister to them as well as continue to minister to people around them. And uh, we just pray all this in Jesus' name.
those years ago, the hope that people had. That's the hope that we have this morning. That's the hope we have today. The hope in Jesus. So let's sing about that.
Friends, this morning I woke up and I had this overwhelming feeling of joy and peace and knowing that God's love and his hope surpasses any, any and every. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into Christ, my living hope. 
Amen. Wasn't that wonderful? That's awesome. Um, you can go ahead and uh, grab a seat if you uh, want. Um, what a just what an amazing time! Just get to worship together, and we start off this Christmas season. Um, but uh, for a moment, I want to talk about next year um, because it's going to be here before we know it. And when you came in, you were given a card uh, like this. Pull that card out and. Uh, Turn to the side that says, save the dates. Pull that out. And then I want you to pull out a pen or a pencil or something to write with. Uh, if you don't have one, you'll find one in the seat pocket in, in uh, front of you there. Because I, I want to talk through just a couple of things uh, on this. Um, this uh, card, it's got some things that I want you to be thinking about and praying about and doing some things with uh, even now before we get into uh, next year. Um, I look through this and I love this. Uh, the very first one, January 7th, uh, Casas Kids. And we're going to be launching our Casas Kids uh, ministry uh, just on January 7th, starting the new year. And I love that it's a donut party. And I, my first thought when I saw that was, there were no donut parties when I was, uh, you know, in the, in the children's ministry around here many, many years ago. Um, but uh, this is a church that's always had such a heart for kids and the things that we get to instill in them and coming alongside parents uh, in there. Um, the next one there, January 10th, um, is when we're going to be launching um, our spring small groups. And we launched small groups uh, this past fall, and it went phenomenally well. But here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do, because I want to connect this to something. So take this card, and whatever you're going to write with, Turn it sideways, and, I, and at the top of the side here, I just want you to write the word accepted. Write accepted up there. Because when I think about launching our small groups, you realize that is a tangible way that for uh, many of us, there's an opportunity there in a tangible relational way to experience acceptance uh, within uh, this church, a way to connect with others in a relational way where you can get into each other's lives a little bit and experience that sense of acceptance. You know, the other beautiful thing about it, it's also an opportunity to give acceptance, to, to let someone else feel something about you and how you see them that creates acceptance because that's a value uh, that we have around here. And if and if you're looking for connection and have, and have never been a part of one of our small groups, I encourage you, um, take a step, mark this on your calendar. Because one of our key values around here that's part of our vision is acceptance. Um, I look down here and I see, I'm going to drop all the way down to March 2nd, you see there. Um, it says, Outreach, Love Our City event. Um, so you haven't heard anything about this event. But uh, our staff have been working on this diligently, and I, and I really mean this. Um, I, I think that is going to end up being one of the most extraordinary days of the year for us uh, as a church, the things that we're lining up and doing. And uh, I'm not going to give you any details, just kind of a teaser one, because if I gave you details, they would all be incorrect. There's other staff that understand all of that better than me. But I cannot tell you how excited I am for what is coming on that date for us as a church in the most tangible of ways to love on this city, to love on Tucson and Marana and Oral Valley and beyond in a way that takes this love of Christ in a tangible way and loves them. So here's what I want you to do. 
I turn the card upside down, and on the very bottom, I want you to write the word loved. Write loved right there. Um, because that day, and I mean this, clear your, scout, your schedule for that date. Make a, don't miss that day. Because it's going to be a really special day. And I really mean this. And we'll talk more about it and tell you what's going on. And you'll have a chance to figure out how you want to participate. But keep your schedule clear uh, for that day. One more thing on here. Um, I look down and I see a March 31st. Um, and it's for our Easter uh, services. And you know, when I think about our Easter services, uh, the, again, things that are being planned, the people that we know will uh, be here. And I would encourage you. Um, be praying about who you could invite to come and be a part of our Easter services uh, here. In fact, I want you to do this now. So now flip the card over this way, and I want you to write the word free up here. Because Easter, right, as we walk through the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus, we get to celebrate the freedom that we are given as his followers. It's an opportunity for us, like we're going to see new people become followers of Christ on that day, and they're going to experience the freedom of Christ as never before as they step into this new life with him. Um, and some of you are going, Glenn, I see what you're doing there, right? Like, I see, I get it. That's good, right? Because this is our vision, right? This is our vision, accepted, loved, free, which matches up to our mission. When we think about the mission of this place, we, it's what does it mean to love people into the acceptance and freedom of Jesus Christ? And you know, when I think about all of these dates and what's happening, these are all tangible ways of advancing our vision, our mission. It's ways for us to participate in seeing those beautiful qualities of acceptance and love and freedom um, just like come to life. And the beauty of this, right, when we think about this, this, this isn't... You know, just, this isn't on us. This isn't our acceptance. Our, this is all centered and rests on, and here's what I want you to do at the very top. I want you to just write the single word, Jesus. Because, right, that is the heart and soul of who we are as a church. It is how can we connect people to that acceptance and love of freedom that comes from Jesus. And this next year, I want you to start getting excited about what's coming this next year as we seek to advance this mission in the most tangible of ways. Now, the, the last thing I want to say about this um, that I think is really important is that all of those things, the tangible way that this mission gets moved forward is because we as a church resource it. I want you to participate in it, right? It takes us participating and being a part of it, but it also means financially resourcing it so that it can occur. And I don't want you to think of, of uh, like the, the, the financial side of it is just like, okay, so my other job is just, I'm just supposed to give money. This is my church. And I want you to think of your financial gifts as moving a mission forward in all of this. And you know, if you've been here at any length of time, you know that December is this really critical uh, month for us in advancing our mission for the coming year. Um, in fact, something we do every year is we ask all of us uh, that say this, this vision, this mission, this excites me. I want to be a part of this. If you resonate with that, then I just unapologetically say, 
will you make a financial contribution above the normal financial contribution you make at the year end? Because we know that that makes a massive difference in what we're able to do in the following year. And so I want you to pray about that. I want you to think about that and then figure out what Jesus is leading you to do in making a year-end financial contribution that helps advance this. And then put, it, put the dates on your calendar and be a part of it. In fact, um, take this home with you and just put it somewhere between now and the end of the year to remind you to put those dates on your calendar. Figure out where you're going to participate in this. And in, in a practical sense, for like ways that you can actually make that year-end gift are all on the back of here. So that can just tell you some of the simple ways uh, to give. But take this home and think about that frame for why we do what we do as a church. And I want you to, to know you're critical in what it means for us as a church to move forward with what I think is just one of the most beautiful visions and missions any church could have. Let, let, let me pray here and we'll move on. Father, I just thank you for the plans that you have made as we step into the future. And we just thank you um, for the blessings that we know you want to do through us and in us. And may we be a church that just shines with the acceptance and the love and the freedom of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Man, we have a good worship team. I enjoy listening to them. Yeah. Well, I didn't even take a bow. That was sad. Uh, so, I don't mean to alarm you all, but it is December, um, which for me means, man, there's a lot going on. Uh, anybody enjoy December around here? Okay. I don't really know what to do with you all right now, but uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, so, it is December, which means we are well on our way and jumping into our Christmas season. And one of my favorite parts, these guys are supposed to be doing that. Don't worry. It's not like they're just wandering on stage, you know, carrying things around. That, 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 was, that was for me. Uh, but one of my favorite parts about uh, the Christmas season 
is advent calendars. Y'all do advent calendars still? Or, you know, maybe growing up you did advent calendars? Uh, there are all sorts of advent calendars out there uh, these days. They're from Legos to, like, special ornaments to, to all sorts of stuff, to cookies. Uh, so here's what I'd love for you to do. Take a few moments. Uh, think of what was your favorite advent calendar growing up, or maybe it's the favorite one that you still use now, uh, and then share that with the people around you because they, they might want a good idea for something different to mix it up. So go ahead. Carry on. I don't understand why there's always laughing when you're talking about this. I don't, what kind of advent calendars are you people getting? Because this is, this is, there's far too much laughing just for, for a normal advent calendar. Uh, so mine, I don't know if anybody shares this with me, but mine are those little ones, are those ones with like, you open the door and those are those little uh, like Christmas themed milk chocolates behind them. You know, it's got like the different characters and Christmas themes. I love those. Those are my, one of my favorites. And, and I actually, one of my favorites is, yeah, I feel like there, there is something so satisfying, like by taking the Santa Claus one and eating it and then just kind of whispering to yourself, I am the captain now. <laughs> something about that. Uh, but I love, uh, Advent calendars are so much fun. And, and Advent calendars, they're just, when we think about it, they're just one part uh, of this, this time of year, this one part of this season. Uh, and these, they really capture and represent and are part of these four weeks that are leading up to Christmas that we know as the Advent season, uh, and which is why we are in this Advent series and exploring all of this. Uh, and these four weeks of Advent, they, they kind of walk us through and to uh, Christmas. They, they kind of culminate on Christmas and are focused on these different aspects. Because we're in the Christmas season uh, and, and celebrating the birth of Jesus, they're focusing us on these different aspects and these different truths and what it means for Christ to arrive here on earth and be born and for the Son of God to be dwelling with us. And in each of these weeks, you know, we lit a candle today. In each of these weeks, uh, maybe you do this at home, but I know we'll do it here where we'll be lighting candles. And each candle is meant to represent uh, some sort of truth or, or aspect or element of the Christmas story, the Christmas season uh, that we want to draw our attention to. Um, and because we, we do this, and we, we decide as a church to do this because uh, it's important to recognize what those truths are, what the, those elements, what those, those aspects are of this Christmas season, of, of the birth of Jesus, because there's something profound and impactful for them. Uh, about them. The, and what we want to do, the reason we're not just, you know, lighting a candle and then not doing anything else is because we're realizing that these things that they point us to are actually things that we can practice. And not just things that we hear as a story, but things that we engage and do. And so these are four weeks where we can slow down, where we can reflect, we can recenter ourselves on each of the day's themes. And so this first candle, we lit, it was the hope candle. And so uh, today, what I want to take our time together this morning and do is simply look at this idea of hope. Because I think if we were to allow ourselves to camp on it, if we were to allow ourselves to stand in this for a moment, uh, we would see that there's something so important about the impact that hope makes on our lives. It's this hugely impactful thing, and I think sometimes we might miss it or even miss what it is. So uh, that's where we're going to kind of be heading today. We'll, we'll kind of meander through some scriptures here. But... Uh, I don't know if you, if you feel this like I do, but uh, it seems like there's a lot going on in the world right now, doesn't it? 
seems like every time we, we look around, there's something new popping up. There's something going on, something causing stress, something causing angst. Uh, there, there's just a bunch going on in the world right now. And, you know, I bet, here's, we'll do an exercise. I bet we could, we could really hone in on this where I'm just going to say a couple words and, and you keep in mind. Don't, you don't need to share it. Please don't yell it out. Uh, but just keep in mind and recognize what comes to mind when I say these words. What sort of reaction do you have? What comes to mind? And just, just keep it in your, in your head there. So uh, we're going to just start off into the deep end. The Middle East. Politics. Social media. Family dynamics and the holidays. ASU. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. Anyways, um, <laughs> I love that moment. Um, as you thought through that, doesn't it, didn't you have this moment where you were kind of asking the question, where is the hope? This stuff is weighty. This stuff is difficult. This stuff uh, makes me fearful. Where is the hope? What direction are we going? Is it all going to just crash and fall apart? How are we... How are we going to get from out of this? How are we going to make our way through this? What are we going to do from here forward? Doesn't it kind of feel like the world is kind of on the brink of something? We're, we're kind of teetering on the edge. And so what do you do with that? You know, I would take us even one step deeper. When I, when I was listing off those words or, or uh, maybe other things came to mind, but what, what part of your life has those biggest worries and concerns? Where do you feel like in your life you're kind of on the brink of something, kind of teetering on the edge of something? Because I bet a lot of us are feeling in that place or have something that's pulling us towards that edge. And it's because of this, isn't it? Because of those feelings, because of those experiences and what's going on all around us, that that's why hope is so important. That's why we need hope. I know that's why when I step into it and when I feel those things, man, hope is such a powerful thing for me. And here's what I, I want to, maybe it's a reassuring thing, or maybe it's just something to help open our eyes a little bit, but I want you to know that this is not just unique to us. It's not as if the way that the world is and functioning today and the desperate need for hope is unique to this moment. I know we often can find ourselves thinking, man, can it get any worse? Has it been any worse? And the answer is this is, is, this is how it goes throughout history. Throughout history, there have always been times where we've asked the question, can it get worse? Where is the hope? Where do we go from here? When you think of the Christmas story, Jesus is born into a time like this. The Romans, you know, when you think of the, the, the life of Jesus and what's going on in his world and his time, the Romans have come in just as he's being born uh, or even long before he's born, the Romans have come in and they have just conquered Israel. They have, the, the people of Israel were, were living in essentially an occupied state. They were alive, but they probably weren't really living. They were subject to the whims of some far-off ruler who not, knew nothing about them and cared even less for them. And all he wanted was and concerned about was what could he get from them through fear and force. That's the world he arrived into. That's a world that desperately needs some hope, isn't it? You see, hope has always been needed, hasn't it? 
And that's why the Christmas story is so important and so profound. And that's probably why, you know, when we really allow ourselves to dwell on it, that's why the birth of Jesus arriving into this world uh, to make something different of this world, why it resonates so strongly with us. Because it's a powerful and important and significant thing. You know, let's, I wanted to just, since we're in the Christmas season, I, I thought we would miss out if we didn't actually read through a bit of the Christmas story here. So, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. We'll start in verse 18. And this is just leading us into the birth of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been uh, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. I know this is crazy. I know this is scary. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from uh, their sins. He's going to step in and make a profound difference and, and change the direction of people's lives, of, of the way this world functions. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so you see, when we reflect back in a world that has much of an incredible need for hope. The birth of Jesus is an announcement to the world that God has not left us to walk through this world alone. That, that he will not let us walk through this world alone in, in hopelessness. And so it's this announcement that's not just saying, here's this conceptual thing, right? It's, it's easy to wrap your mind and say, okay, he just, he's saying have hope. But no, it's this announcement that, that's not this conceptual thing. It's actually something that's going to bring real and tangible hope no matter what we face, no matter when we live, no matter what's going on in the world around us. And so I want us to spend our time today really exploring, diving deep into what this means to, to have hope, to be a part of hope. And so uh, there's something deeply I want us to understand uh, about the understanding, the biblical understanding of hope, because it's different than what we would understand it to be, perhaps. I know it's different than what the world has to offer around us. And it's important to me this morning, it's important to all of us, that, that we understand this, because this kind of hope, if we can grasp the hope that's being talked about with Jesus, the hope that we find in, in the Bible, it will make a huge difference in your lives. It will take you to places you did not think that you could go. Because there's some depth to this that we, that we don't want to miss. So, the Hebrew word for hope, Old Testament's written in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for hope that we read in the Old Testament uh, is the word tikva. You can write it down and go say it to your family later, and they'll, they'll just be impressed by your knowledge of Hebrew. Trust me. So, tikva is the word uh, for hope. And almost all the times when it's translated in, in the Bible, we read through our Bibles in the Old Testament, and almost all the time when it's translated there, it's translated as the word hope. But here's the really interesting thing is that there are a couple times, not a whole lot, but there are a couple times in the Bible where this is all of a sudden a word that you find to be translated as rope. Rope. That's interesting, isn't it? Because what is rope? Rope is something that you use to tether yourself to something solid, isn't it? 
Rope is something that you hold on to so that you don't fall, so that you don't swing aimlessly, so that you can pull back from the brink. Think back to all those words that we went through. When we would, I bet if we were to think through all those answers, I bet we would think, okay, what am I going to hold on to? And the Bible, the people who wrote the Bible realized, the people of God realized, hope is what you hold on to. If you want to be able to navigate life and through all that, you hold on to hope. And that's why they saw, they saw this thing called hope and they saw it as something that you could hold on to and even kind of, it's going to pull you forward and help you feel secure. Because don't we all feel the need to be able to hold on to something? Don't we feel the need to be holding, to have something anchor us? So we're not just aimlessly going through life, afraid, anxious. And this is the beauty of Advent because Advent announces Hope is here. The rope that you need to anchor yourself to something larger is here. It points us to Jesus. And it points us that we can anchor our hope and ourselves in him. And the the writer of Hebrews grasped this. You see them write that uh, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. In the same way, God, desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise the fact that his purpose is unchangeable, confirmed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firmly, hold firmly to the hope that is set before us. Now, I'm going to pause here because I want to tell you, uh, we're going to be reading a lot of scripture, but I want to make sure that that you're really hearing these next words that that I say, these next words that come here in the next verse here. So so let these sink in. Uh, So firmly to the hopes of force, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and reliable, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner before us. This is a hope that transcends just life, but it it speaks and grabs and uh, it's there for our very soul, very spirit. When it's troubled, when it's flailing, there's this hope that you can grab onto and you can anchor yourself with it. Friends, the Advent season becomes this wonderful thing that we get to do and participate in, not just observe, because it reminds us that there's this hope that is anchored to Jesus. Jesus who is stable, who is reliable, who is sure. That's something that we can be anchored to. And you see, here's why this is so important to get this. Because what you anchor your hope to matters, doesn't it? What you've anchored your hope to, the hope of your soul, the hope of your life, what you've actually anchored it to matters. And and uh, I don't want you to miss this because sometimes it becomes really easy to anchor our, our hope to the wrong thing. You know, it's easy to kind of anchor our hope and hold on to a hope that's anchored to things that actually won't really help us in life. They're not going to be stable. Uh, they're, they're not going to help us get through life, and they're not going to actually lead us to the type of hope that we really need and want. And so I want to give you two examples. Uh, 
First one, you ever notice how you've been in conversation with somebody, or maybe you've even said this. I bet we've all said this at some point. Um, and, and when they speak, they use the word hope, they, they kind of use it in a phrase of, you know, I, I just kind of hope it all works out. Right? You ever said that? You ever heard that? And, and it's, when you realize, when you say that, you hear it, you're like, well, it's probably less hoping, and you're, you're just kind of wishing it works out, right? Now, let me, uh, maybe an example. I was at the barber yesterday, because uh, I always get my hair cut before I come in front of you all, because I don't want to look scraggly. I, you know, I want to I wanna have this nice for you guys. Uh, and so I'm at the barber yesterday, and, and I'm sitting there, and I, I love to talk to my barber. My barber's a fascinating human being, uh, and, and I just like to hear about his stories and, and kind of, you know, I ask him all these weird hair questions, because I'm just interested. Uh, and so yesterday I was asking him about, you know what, do you get a lot of guys or people that come in here that, like, tried to cut their own hair, and, like, they've really messed it up, and now you're, like, you've got to go ahead and fix that thing really bad? And he's like, well, yeah, we get those people. But he's like, you know what? We actually get more uh, like this guy over here. I was like, oh, okay, well, what's going on with him? He's like, he, uh, he let his girlfriend cut his hair. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, we get a lot of guys who come in and they just, for some reason, let their girlfriends cut their hair. And I look over to this guy and, and he is, it looks like someone did crop circles on the back of his head. Like there, there are just full-on bald chunks. There are spots where there's like four hairs sticking out, but like the rest is nothing. It was just, it was all crazy. And I'm watching as the barber has to like shave most of his head so that they can just like make it look quasi-normal. You know, and that's what kind of wishful thinking is, isn't it? That's how it works. You know, I hope she knows how to cut hair. I hope that this thing kind of just works itself out. I hope that it's going to be different next time. And as we keep saying we hope, at the end of it, there's actually nothing that it's anchored to. And it just falls. And you see, the reality is, is that it's just anchored to nothing. It's anchored into wishful thinking. And while what, wishful thinking isn't a terrible thing, you know, wishing for things isn't bad, if that's what you anchor yourself to, you ultimately anchored yourself to nothing that will hold you and sustain you. And so we have wishful thinking, where we're, we're essentially anchored to nothing. The second thing, get our hope back again, the second thing we can all often find ourselves anchoring or tethering our hope to is what we're going to call maybe the ways of the world, the ways the world works, or the way the world surrounds us. And so we, we tend to take how the world works, the world itself, and we anchor our hope to that. You want to know how we can tell if we're anchored and tied ourselves to the world around us? We start to see ourselves tied to anger and negativity. We start to, if we find ourselves being more and more angry, being more and more negative, being more and more fearful, because over here, uh, within the world around us, there's chaos, right? We talked about it. It sometimes feels like we're on the brink of something. We're, we're teetering on something. And, and we'll, if we anchor ourselves to that stuff, here's where it takes us. It takes us to being hopeless. He said we're, we're more and more fearful. We're more and more angry. We're more and more uh, nervous and, and dwelling in negativity. And we're less and less loving. And we're less and less accepting. And we're less and less uh, giving, experiencing freedom. And so here's the beauty of Advent, is that Advent is the season that helps us unwrap our hope and unanchor ourselves from wishful thinking and the ways of the world that lead us to hopelessness. 
Advent is something, is a season that helps us find ourselves and steer ourselves to anchoring ourselves and our hope into Jesus, into his arrival, and what that means for each of us. And so, what I do want to tell you is that this can be kind of harder than we realize. It's not always easy to anchor our hope to Jesus. Jesus is always there, but sometimes it's harder to find and get our, our hope anchored there. And so I want to end today. I want to just spend the rest of our time today uh, looking at some application. What does it look like to anchor ourselves to Christ? What are some things and ways that we can live life and go through life that we actually anchor ourselves to Christ into something solid and stable? And so the first thing I'd love to encourage us on, the first thing I'll tell you what it looks like is that, you know, see the goodness and beauty in a world that's kind of a beautiful mess. You know, remember again, the wishful thinking and hopelessness, they, they tend to give us a lens of seeing the world uh, that is bad or out of control. You know, every day, uh, most of us, I would, I would venture, every day or, or almost every day, most of us spend time watching the news or scrolling through our, our social media feeds, yes? And when we finally turn off the news, I bet this happens to you, when you finally turn off the news and look away from your computers and your phone, uh, and I'm sure we all just sit there and we say to ourselves, you know, man, I am so inspired by all the hope and the joy and the positivity I just saw. I bet maybe not, probably not. My guess is that some Sometimes, a lot of us end, end up finding ourselves getting pulled into this place of fear and negativity and anxiety and wondering what comes next. How do I make it through this? But Jesus, though, he speaks to, he speaks to this. And he, he's speaking to the people. He, he's gathered the, the people in this large crowd. They're, on the, they're in the Sermon on the Mount. And in this moment, Jesus says something. We may have heard this, but I want to open our, uh, open our ears and, and maybe hear it in a fresh way. And he's speaking to them uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Watch them glide. Look at how they go. They don't do anything, and yet God does beautiful things for them. Uh, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the... Oh, man, I lost myself there, didn't I? Uh, are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, a lot of times we read this, and I know I've read through this a lot, and it's, you know, Jesus saying, don't worry, don't, don't be anxious. God, God's going to provide for you. And yes, that's what he's saying. But there's something there. If we, we simply stop there and read it there, you miss something really huge. Because God, Jesus is not only saying God's going to provide for you, but he's actually pointing us to see something good and beautiful, right? He could have just said, you know what? Don't worry. God's going to take care of you. But what does he do? He says, I want you to look at the good things and the beautiful things God made. Because by seeing that, that's how I'm going to show you that God cares for you, that God provides for you, that there is beauty in this world. And he's inviting you that word consider, he's actually calling us to stop. Think about, take in the beautiful and the good. You know, 
uh, even in, in the mess. I think of uh, all of us have seen at some point uh, small children's drawings. You know, my boys were young once, uh, and, and we all have that moment where we, maybe we've walked in to a, a friend's house or even on our own house, and you've got the small children's drawing on, on the refrigerator, right? And, and none of our kids, as far as I know, has, is Picasso, right? That these drawings are up there, and, and there's chaos, and it's a messy thing, uh, but at the same time, there's a bunch of beauty in it, isn't there? where you start seeing uh, the, the, just the love and, and the grace that they've poured into this and, and how happy they are to share it with you. And they made it for you. And so even in the midst of all that, when you, when you part out the mess and you see the beauty in it and the goodness in it, this is what God is inviting us to do. Recognize there's a mess. Yes, of course there's a mess. It's life. It's the world. It's, how, it's always going to be a mess but there's always going to be beauty and goodness in it as well. And so how do we get ourselves to see that? That's the question. If, if we can get ourselves to see that, we all of a sudden become anchored and tethered to Christ. So how do we do that? Well, a real practical way could be, well, let's look at what we spend our time on. You know, we, we've talked about news and social media. I wonder how much time do we spend watching the news? How much time do we spend scrolling our social media feeds? I bet without realizing it, we've spent years training ourselves because we've spent so much time on these things. We've spent years training ourselves to see hopelessness and negativity. And so if we're going to see more beauty and goodness, don't you think we need to create the space to do so? If we've trained ourselves in one way, don't you think we need to retrain ourselves to see something different? So let me ask you this. Here, here's a challenge for us. Depending on how much time you spend, what if this month, because we're saying, I want to see more beauty and less negativity and less pain and more goodness. We challenge ourselves and we make a commitment to reducing our media time, whatever it is, whether it's social media or news, to 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day. That's enough time, I promise you, that's enough time for you to know what's going on in the world. You don't have to, it doesn't take two hours to figure that out. So what if we take... 30 minutes a day. Or if that's ambitious, I know that that may be a big jump for some of us. So if that's ambitious, what if we just have the time that we spend on those things? For this month, we just say, every day I'm going to spend half the time that I usually do on social media or in the news. And you see, what we get there is, is it'd be great if we do that. Like, that's just a bunch of, that's far less negativity. That's far less, you know, chaos into our lives. But that's not enough, is it? Because we want to see the beauty and the goodness in the world as well. So we actually take that time when we, that we've set aside and we've reduced from the negativity and we start exploring goodness and beauty with that time. We start increasing the time that we've, we look for the beauty and the goodness and the mess of this world. What would it do to your life if you didn't have to be so wrapped up and the negativity and the, and, and the pain and the fear, and you just got to hold on to that hope that's anchored in Christ and see, wow, that's beautiful. Look at what God did there. That's good. Look at how those people are loving one another. That's an amazing thing. What if we allowed ourselves to get wrapped up in a beautiful world? And so I'm going to, some of these you may find like, well, no, that seems silly. But I'm going to throw out a couple things here that maybe will resonate with some of us if we're really wanting to take a step to do this. So uh, one of it is just, again, invest that time. Spend that time in something. If you like, uh, you know, if it's been a while since you read your Bible and you're wanting to get back into it and, and you're, you're just you're curious, where should you go now? 
you know what? The book of John's a beautiful thing because it, it tells the story of God entering into the world and being a light to everybody and, and what Jesus does for his people. It's just a really beautiful book. So maybe it's reading John this time, this, this year. Or maybe it's, I realize as I've talked to a lot of you all and I've talked to a lot of people that come here, we are full of, uh, we're, we're a church packed with people who have just, are oozing with creativity. And so maybe it's spending time either being creative yourself or looking at the creativity of others. You know, we have great photographers in this church. We have amazing painters. We have, we, I've, I've met some of you who just, I don't know how you do it, but you are amazing metal workers and it just seems to bend to your whim and will and the things that you make with them are just, I'm in awe of them. And so what if we looked for beauty in the creativity of ourselves and others? We can see it in, in the world around us. What if we paused and we went for a hike? Or we just sat on our back porch and watched the sunrise? And we looked for the goodness there. You know, this is something that, that me and my son do. Uh, it, we have a tradition where we just want to know what's good in the world. We want to hear what's going on uh, that's good in the world. So every morning when we drive to school uh, at 7.30, we know if we turn on a local radio station here at 7.30, they're going to tell us, give us good news stories. And so we, we drive to school and we turn on the radio station and we just listen. We start our day with stories of good news. We don't listen to the, to the news that tells us, you know, what's going on in the world that's bad, but we start our day with just stories that are good news, good things happening, beautiful things happening into the world to other people around us. And it gets us going in a way where we're able to then step into our days looking for beauty and goodness as opposed to being afraid of what, you know, the chaos is going to bring. So seeking out the goodness and beauty helps anchor ourselves in Christ. Another one, real quick, is... Remind yourself. To anchor yourself in Christ means that you can remind yourself that God's got you. God has you. All we have to do is look at just a couple verses. Look at uh, John 3.16. Most of us know this. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that he, the world might be saved through him. God loved this world so much. He wanted to tell you so much that I've got you. You don't need to worry that I'm going to send my son to take care of all the things that need to be taken care of. He's going to handle all the stuff that needs to be handled so that you can simply step into his grace and mercy and forgiveness and that you can step into knowing that I've got you and you can draw near to me. Another one, Romans. Paul sees this. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, will be able to unanchor us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. None of that rocks this. None of that makes this go away. So remind yourself on a daily basis that God's got you. Even though it's, there's chaos, sometimes it's not great, but God has got you through all of that. Uh, and you, you know, if, if necessary, come back and read these verses on a daily basis. Come back and read John. Come back and read Romans on a daily basis if you need to be reminded of that. I know lots of us are tangible people. We like visual reminders. Uh, and so maybe it's this. We happen to be in, in the Christmas season, and most of us are, are putting up trees, or unless our dogs are going to eat them like mine, so then we, we don't. But most of us are going to put up trees, and we're going to decorate them with ornaments. 
what if you spent some time finding just the right ornament that reminds you how much God loves you and how much God has you? Maybe it's a nativity ornament. Maybe it's something else that captures your attention. But you put it up there, and then as you walk through your house and you walk past your tree, what do you see? A constant reminder of how much God has you and loves you. But whatever it is, to keep yourself anchored in Christ, to find yourself anchored in Christ, remind yourself daily that God has got you. And you know, here's what I want to say as we, as we end out here. If you were to walk out of here this morning and if you were just a little bit more conscious, became just a little bit more conscious of all the beauty and goodness in a messy world, how amazing would that be? That would be a, a huge thing for us. Or even if you were to walk out of here today and, and you just, you recognize and were able to rest a little bit more firmly in the fact that God has you and nothing can separate you from his love. That would be hugely impactful. And so with those things, there's one more that I want to I draw our attention to. One more, and I want to close with this idea, is that when you are holding this rope that is anchored deeply, this hope that is anchored deeply in Christ to Jesus, you find yourself in a spot where you are capable, you're able to help others encounter that hope as well. Where you, as you hold this, all of a sudden you find yourself in a spot where you are able to say, hey, everybody, this rope is real long. There's a whole lot of space. Why don't you jump on? You know, we become a people that are able to give away Christ's hope and love in a very tangible way when we are able to anchor ourselves to Christ and have confidence in that. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of this. They say, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Hold fast to it. For he who promises faithful... And when you hold fast to that hope, look, look what he says next. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The hope you hold is meant to help you stir others in love and good works. And you know, it's amazing to watch this take place. I've seen this happen, and it's a beautiful thing to watch it as it happens. When I, I was a middle school pastor here many years ago, when I was a middle school pastor, we had moments uh, that were served in, much like you know, we're, we're thinking of doing here later on, uh, but we're having serve days and uh, where we would take students throughout the, the city and we would just go to places that needed us to help serve, that needed us to show up. And one of the places that we often went were uh, assisted living homes and, and nursing homes. And, and sometimes we even would go to the areas where, you know, it was, it was people who who's me- are having memory issues and, and all that. And so and they didn't get a whole lot of visitors. And I would take these middle school students and they would go and they would sit with these, uh, these folks in there and they would either play bingo or my favorite was when the, uh, the senior adults started teaching them card games. And the se- they are ruthless, those senior adults. They would make the kids pay if they lost. It was, you had to send them with cash or else they didn't come out. But it was so cool to see how they would sit there and these senior adults, they w- the joy that would come to their faces because here are these young kids who, who are just sitting with them and playing their games and taking interest in them. And then the best part, even more so, was when we would get, walk back to the vans and the kids would start talking about how much fun it was and how amazing it was to just sit and be around those people and, and the joy that it brought them. And you know what? That filled me with hope. That, that we have still have people in this world that can love and even the youngest can love and show grace and mercy and care to the oldest. And so what do we do to stir up good works and love? Well, maybe it's encouraging words. Somebody needs encouragement in your life. Give it to them. Share it with them. Tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. You know, we've got, maybe somebody in your life is just kind of struggling 
with, with what's going on in the world today, what's going on in their lives. Maybe they've got wrestling with something big and they just, they need God to speak to them. Well, invite them to church. Have them come join us for Christmas at Caphasus. We're, we're planning for people who need to hear God speak. We're, there's gonna, it's a, gonna be a service that hopefully provides hope for each and every one of us. You know, just think about using just positive words. I don't mean just like telling people good things about them, but what if we just engage more positively with the words that we use? I want you to imagine this. And I know this rarely happens, but imagine that you're in a conversation about politics and it gets a little spicy. And, you know, uh, tempers and, and the temperature starts to rise, blood pressure is starting to rise, tempers may be getting a little out of hand. Uh, and then, you know, as, as this discussion is going on around you uh, and everybody's getting all worked up, what if you just kind of step in and you're like, you know what, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Yeah, I know, a lot's happening. I get it, but it's going to be okay. God's bigger than all of this. God's got us. There's still beauty in this world. What if we find ourselves pulling to people, pulling people to something more positive, something deeper? Last thing, I, I, this last one, I just want to celebrate with you all. I don't... I, We've all been going through this, uh, this gifts of love thing for the past uh, month where we were, we're gathering up gifts and adopting families. I, I'm sure it's been announced, but do you all know how many families we have adopted? 120. We adopted uh, 120 families through gifts of love where we said we were going to uh, get presents, provide a Christmas experience for these families who may not have been able to have one other, otherwise. And so 120 families were adopted and, and we're collecting those things today even. Uh, and here's what I want you to, to realize is in doing so, you gave a family the opportunity to experience something good and beautiful. You pulled them a little closer into hope. You gave them an idea of what tethers you to Christ. In doing so, you helped a family that wondered, what are we going to do in the next, over this season? You helped them know that God's got them, that they are not forgotten, that they can hold on to that rope too. And so hope becomes this powerful thing that changes us, but then also becomes this powerful thing that we can join and hand and share with other people. And so this is Christmas season. This is Advent season. Let this be a season where you anchor your hope in the most amazing gift. As we start giving gifts to each other, let this be a season that uh, you can anchor your hope in the most amazing gift given to this world. Let this be a season where you anchor your hope in Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for giving us an anchor. Thank you for giving us something that we can tether ourselves and our lives and our hope to. Uh, we, we ask that you allow us to see beauty and goodness. Allow us to remember how much you love us and have us and, and let our lives be things that overflow with hope and beauty and goodness and love that pulls people to share that with us. Uh, we thank you for the gift of something strong and stable and firm to anchor ourselves to. In your name, amen. Well, let's see here. Uh, we have over here, you'll see the prayer place. If you've got stuff going on, if you'd like somebody to pray for you, if you just, you enjoy praying with and being prayed for, uh, we've got some wonderful folks over there who love to do that as well. So afterwards, in just a moment here, you can head on over there and do that. Uh, you see Becky right over here uh, under by the Ramada area thing, our welcome party. Becky, myself, and some other folks uh, are going to be over there. If you're new here, if you're joining us for the first time, we'd love to say hello. Uh, we'd love to say thanks for joining us and get to know you a little bit more and tell you how you can get, get a little bit more involved here at Cassie. So uh, 